Welcome to the latest episode of the DEP In-Basin Observations Podcast. We're back in the woodlands this week, this time with the team from Smart Sand, Lee Beckelman and John Young. Um, right now we're in their conference room. We're just going to have a nice conversation. I've got John Daniel with me and this is uh, Bill Austin. I'll let you take it away, John. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me. Um, so the, the reason that we, I reached out to want to do the podcast is you all have recently published a white paper sort of co comparing and contrasting the value proposition of white sand versus in-basin sand. So I want to jump into that a little bit. But first, I want to hit the high-level stuff, which is when you look at the U.S. market, a little bit of choppiness right now. It recounts down, call it 15%. Uh, you hear the growing you know, anecdotes of utilization pressures, pricing pressures, et cetera. Um, what, are all, what are you guys seeing right now? Well, so... You know, certainly um, we've, we've seen the same reports of you know, rig count being down. Uh, and the markets were primarily operating in kind of called Marcellus, uh, the Bakken, uh, up into Canada starting uh, right now. Um, we're not seeing too much of an impact on, uh, on our demand, but, mm -hmm. you know, we're keeping a close eye on it. And, uh, you know, we're certainly scaling the operation to, you know, either take advantage of anything that upticks or anything that uh, you know, potentially down, you know, puts a downward pressure on us. Okay. And then, so the Marcellus has held up relatively well, again, as we look at the various basins yeah, versus the Marcellus, others. Yeah, the Marcellus, uh, even given kind of the low commodity price, the low gas price there, yeah. the Marcellus has held up remarkably well. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of testament to some of the players that are out there that are really focused on kind of long-term viability in that market, getting their uh, operations set up and efficient, getting their supply chains right. And so, you know, we've, we've seen the Marcellus as a real bright spot in our business. Okay. And how about the Bakken? The Bakken also, uh, you know, we're coming off of a, you know, a pretty strong quarter, uh, and uh, you know, it looks like we're going to continue kind of that growth out there. And uh, you know, we're seeing uh, you know a little bit of talk about some regional uh, assets out there, but so far right now, it's looking pretty strong. For okay. Us. Yeah, and typically the Bakken, the second and third quarters are our strongest quarters because it's a little seasonal. Yeah. Uh, but we're seeing a good strong pickup, and actually, as John said, we're probably seeing as good or better activity we've ever seen in the Bakken right now. Okay. And you, you noted some signs of regional people in up there and i think it's one or two in north dakota and there's one how many in basin mines are there up in the in that area well it's hard to pin down the exact number yeah. right and and what kind of represents a you know a, a real operation versus kind of just a you know a mom few conveyor belts yeah. or mom and pop yeah so we're keeping an eye on it. i mean i think that the operators who are focused on long-term sustainable development up there are concerned about the logistics infrastructure required right. to you know, to handle these these massive fracks up there and these massive volumes. So, right. you know, we've built a, a relatively uh, large transload facility out there. We've got a great rail solution into the market, right. both on the uh, northern end with BN and, and kind of in that Newtown area on CP. Yep. So from a rail perspective, we think we've got a real good uh, solution to, you know, kind of that logistics puzzle up there. And then you combine that with some of our last mile offering, and we're able to really provide an interesting uh, and compelling mind to well site. Right. Uh, and and we'll, we'll jump into SmartPath later because I've had the pleasure of being at the, the terminal in North Dakota, and you've also got one in the Washington, PA area, Waynesburg area. I've been yep, to that one as well. Um, and more recently, you guys have gained access to the CN, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah. And we, so um, what? And if you listen to the precision drilling earnings call about a week ago, very positive outlook on Western Canada and the opportunity. So tell us what you see, you know, a year to two for your for Smart Sand in Canada. Yeah, we're um, we're really excited about Canada. I mean, the you know, it's a it's a market that um, 
you know, has taken some time to, to get the legs under it, mm -hmm. um, but they've, uh, you know, they're, they're getting very close to having to turn on the spigots for this pipeline that built to the West Coast uh, NGL plant or NGL uh, export plant there. And so they got to fill that pipeline. And so there's a really good um, view to uh, long-term requirements for sand and, and fracking up in that area. Mm -hmm. um, we picked up uh, an asset uh, last year uh, on the CN, uh, it's a really good mine. It's um, you know all the mining, processing, uh, and uh, rail are all on the same site. So very similar to our setup in Oakdale, Wisconsin, right. massive rail yard. And so we're looking at uh, a site there that has potential to have production costs approaching what Oakdale does. You know, yeah. very low low cost production, uh, a market that's got we think a good runway in front of it, and we're uh, you know we're going to be hitting that market hard. And I probably should have started with this question but for someone that might not know smart sand give us t tell us where your minds are and us besides oakdale your current capacity and, yeah. and and sort of how you've grown the business the last couple of years with some of your acquisitions yeah today we have three primary uh, mining facilities oakdale is our flagship uh, operation that was started in 2012 really started 1.1 million tons of capacity and today it has 5.5 million tons of capacity and uh, 250 million plus of quality reserves right. Uh, and from that, we have added over the, uh, since 2020, we have added the Utica, Illinois facility. Mm -hmm. It's a 1.6 million ton facility that we acquired from Eagle Materials for $2.5 million in stock. Right. Uh, that we probably invested another 2 to $3 million bringing it online. Mm -hmm. And we've had it running since uh, the fourth quarter, 2020. Okay. And then last year, we acquired the Blair, Wisconsin facility. It was an idle facility as well um, for $6.5 million from High Crush. Uh, we spent about five, four to five million dollars bringing that online this year. That's a 2.9 million ton facility that is getting on the CN that we're basically targeting it to primarily sell sand into Canada, mm -hmm. but it also uh, on the CN allows us to go east into the Marcellus as well, so it gives right. us another avenue there. So today, collectively, we have 10 million tons of available capacity. Okay. Last year we sold 4.3 million tons. Before bringing Blair online, we had 7.1 million tons of capacity. Right. Now with Blair, we're at 10 million. So effectively, we have a lot of available capacity to just really support any growth in the market, not only in our key markets, but as we'll talk about later, how we think we can gain an incremental opportunity in the, in the Permian as well. Okay. Yeah, they're just going to, we've got those three facilities. Where are your key markets that you guys touch on? Yeah, our key markets today, as John's already alluded to, the primary yep. markets for us are the Marcellus, yep. the Bakken. We do sell some into Colorado, Wyoming, and we're looking to really have the, the third leg of our uh, northern white stool is Canada. Canada. And mm -hmm. we believe over time that we, could tr we can penetrate the Canadian market to the same extent or hopefully better than where we've already established ourselves in the Marcellus right. and, and, and the Bakken. Today, we believe we're probably the leading provider of northern white sand in the Bakken and the Marcellus today. Okay. And so you did the two acquisitions, Utica and Blair, uh, during the downturn, basically. Yeah. So opportunistic, you know. We were before we kicked off the the podcast, you know, back in the good old days, I would go up to Wisconsin, you know, once a year, take my son with me, drive around, uh, took him to Oakdale, if you remember. Hopefully in the summer. It was in the summertime, <laughs> you know. And and it, what made me think of that is, you know, I was. Uh, I went to Culver's today for lunch, and so Culver's was started in Wisconsin. So oh, the cheese curds, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I had a lot of Culver's in Wisconsin. But, you know, when you go up there back then in the sort of the 2010 to 14 time frame, blowing and going, a yeah. lot of mines. If I, I haven't been there, admittedly, in probably seven or eight years, what would I see today driving around the state of Wisconsin? 
Well, you'd see a lot of uh, abandoned equipment yeah. and mines that have been uh, cannibalized, right? And so, um, you know, if, if you remember the kind of the history back when you were making those tours, yeah. um, you know, originally Wisconsin, uh, you know, there, there was a giant demand for coarser grades of sand, right? right. So, mm -hmm. you know, 16, 30, 20, 40, uh, 30, 50 to a lesser extent. And so many, many of the mines that were built back then were built to satisfy that market need, right? And then, you know, we saw the market shift towards finer grades of sand, you know, kind of 30, 50, 40, 70, 100 mesh. Right. And so a lot of those mines uh, had a tough time producing those types of uh, products, and, and they were struggling from early on, back mm. in, you know, kind of, you look at the 2014 timeframe, right? Then you hit a couple of economic downturns, and then, you know, kind of the final nail in the coffin for a lot of these guys was the, was the COVID downturn, right? right? And, you know, anybody who's been in the bulk commodity business for any length of time knows that you know, having long, you know, significant long-term debt is a killer in our yes. business, right? Mm -hmm. And so you got to be able to ride these cycles. And so we've been focused since the founding of Smart Sand to maintain relatively low debt levels so that we can afford those uh, areas where, uh, you know, there could be a downturn, whether it's frac or industrial. And so, yeah, if you were to if you were to drive around Wisconsin now, you'd, you'd probably see a lot of kind of abandoned rusting equipment mm -hmm. and uh, the stuff that was there when you were touring that. A lot of that's been moved to different areas of the company, including the Permian. Right. And we took advantage of that in the downturn by having a good balance sheet and mm -hmm. being able to survive the cycle. And yes, we've been contrarian. We yeah. believe in Northern White right. and still believe there's a strong place for Northern White in the market. And that's why we were able to go and pick off two very high quality assets uh, at Utica and Blair that had significant investment in them that we were able to buy, you know, basically buy for less than $10 million right. and add, and add uh, Northern White, you know, four and a half million tons of Northern White capacity. Okay. And before I jump into the the white versus in basin because we're going to get there uh you did bring on uh, a team to sort of also target the industrial market can yeah you, can you elaborate a little yeah, bit on what you're doing there and yeah sure so um you know kind of one of the one of the things that we often were struck by again i alluded to it before is the um the ups and downs of the oil and gas market and thankfully we've been in a relatively stable environment mm -hmm. uh, particularly from the northern white standpoint for the last few years and that's been nice right but you know, if you know the history of this business, the you know these these cycles have been very uh, short and uh, you know quite mm -hmm. volatile in some cases. And so, you know, as we kind of looked at this business and we started to think about you know kind of long term um, objectives of Smart Sand, we wanted to diversify the business a little bit. And so, well, we hired a team uh, you know of folks to come in and start to build our industrial base. And so far, we've had pretty good success in that. Uh, you know, it's not. You know, it's still a small percentage of our volumes that uh, we produce, but it's complementary to what we do. Uh, you know, whereas it may be sand that we weren't using in the past, mm -hmm. or you know, or or you know, wasting out of the system. You know, we're now able to find some markets for that. So we're excited about that. Uh, we think that it'll um, you know continue to be an important piece of our business going forward, and ultimately, it's a long-term hedge on uh, some of the volatility that we see in the oil and gas space. Okay, thank you. And then the white paper came out. Gosh, a month ago, if I'm not mistaken, at least six weeks ago. Yeah. Remind me, what prompted you to go down the path of the white paper? Yeah, well, yeah. so, you know, keep in mind that the white paper was a follow-on to a, to to a, a long-term Rystad study yeah. that uh, yeah. we had sponsored as part of the Wisconsin Industrial Sand Association. You had uh, had uh, gotten Rystad to basically put together the study. And it was, it was, the idea was that we always thought that the, move to regional sand was based solely on dollars and and that it was um, a decision that maybe wasn't driven by 
um, thinking about pro production and things like that. I mean, again, when, when this stuff started to happen, you know, relatively low commodity price, um, you know, for oil, for gas. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, the, the idea behind the Rystad study was, okay, we're out there saying, hey, the science matters, conductivity matters, um, the quality of what you put down the hole matters. And what we were faced with was, well, uh, we don't see that, right? And, and certainly, um, you know, the science suggests that at least initial conductivity and initial production is similar uh, whether you use these sands, uh, but we needed to get a study together to figure mm -hmm. out, you know, is what we're saying and, and you know, the science behind what we're saying, is it correct? And so Rystad did these studies and, and completed kind of their look back and think about this, we're five years on from the advent of regional sand down there, mm -hmm. the, you know, the widespread adoption of regional sand. And so it took that long to get that data set together to be able to figure out whether or not this stuff, uh, you know, performs the same, uh, you know, better or worse than Northern White. And so one of the things that you hear uh, anecdotally throughout the industry is dissatisfaction with well production rates over, mm -hmm. over that similar period of time. And one of the things, uh, you, know, you know, you hear about parent-child interaction, right. you hear about, well, we're not drilling our best acreage anymore, we've kind of given that stuff up. Well, you know, in the period that this study was talking about, 20, you know, 2018, 2019, and, and kind of going forward, that was the best acreage, right? And, you know, now we're seeing that we've got some science behind this that says, you know, that the choice of sand did matter. And now you're starting to see the issue is, which is if you have these, uh, decline rates that are over and above what you thought, mm -hmm. you have to drill more wells now than you thought you were going to have to when you made this change five years ago. And so, you know, it's one of these, um, it's one of these things where the money you saved up front, you know, I think uh, the white paper demonstrates that, you know, the, that, uh, you know, you don't, the return on that is, is, you know, if you went with Northern White, you're talking about, you know, in some cases under 12 months and most, in all cases, under 24 months, you would have been better off using Northern White. And as you kind of go forward, that uh, difference between production of what you're getting now using regional versus what you would have gotten Northern White continues to diverge, right? Okay. Where you know, the, the story only gets worse over time. So we saw that and that's what we, uh, you know, that's what we had. We sponsored the uh, engineer who wrote the white paper to right. do this. And uh, we're getting some pretty good response. And, on. and describe his background. Yeah, well, so Mark Malone is a long-term uh, reservoir engineer, right? right. And so, um, you know, we've known, we've known Mark for a, for a number of years, um, you know, back to when we were first founding Smart Sand and getting, getting some advice as to, you know, how do you do this, right? right. Because if, if you know the story of Smart Sand, you know we weren't sand mining guys before, no. we, uh, you know, before we started this business. And so Mark was instrumental in kind of getting us set up right. He was you know, he encouraged us to focus on logistics, right? Which was, right. A, you know, one of the hallmarks of Smart Sand from the beginning is that we're very logistics focused because he knew that, you know, there were gonna be, you know, the, the amount of profit being used was gonna expand right. almost exponentially over time, so, yeah. But for the for someone who might be listening to the podcast who has not read the white paper, because it's it's about 45 pages, mm -hmm. it's long. It's got a nice executive summary you can post. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> <An abstract. laughs> but for someone who might not pick that thing up to read it, um, the, the first question I want to say is like, wh what was some of the data? I mean, so like, John, I guess the question is when you look at, you know, the comparison of two wells, you know, is it the same prop and loadings per well? Is, or do you recognize that the, the in-basin sand usage is probably much higher yeah. on a prop and loading than maybe the white, or, or am I wrong on that? Can you just 
Well, I think I, I think that the Rystad study and then the follow-on to that tried to correct for any of those, okay. those differences. Right, because you're right. It's hard to compare two different wells if there's different profit loadings or whatever. But right. um, you know, to cut to the chase on it, I mean, what what the study shows, the Rystad study, and then the follow-on from the white paper shows is that really in uh, you know I think in all you know we looked at seven different operators and over 850 wells. Um, in almost all the cases, you would have been better off at you know at in all the cases at two years, right. you would have been better off. And in many of the cases by one year, you would have been better off going with Northern White rather than switching over to uh, regional at the time. Right. And so, you know, the, the key on this is that when we think about that switch to regional sand in the Permian, mm -hmm. right, we think that everyone should be using Northern White, obviously. Sure. Right? Yeah. We're, we're yeah. Northern White, um, you know, proponents of Northern White. That's what our business is. But really what it comes down to is I don't sell any large degree of sand into, into the Permian any longer, right. right? And so anybody who switches back to Northern White provides, you know, what could be a potential uh, significant tailwind for us, right? My, my business doesn't depend on the Permian, but we do think people should be looking at this and right. looking at it carefully. When you yeah, and, and the reality is, there is a cost differential. We're not going to say there's not a cost cost differential between yeah. bringing Northern White railed into the Permian from regional sanding and truck. But if you get someone who's looking at developing their fields over the next five to ten years versus someone focusing on just the individual well economics and saying, look, I've got a commitment to use. 500,000 tons a year of sand right. for the next five or 10 years, and I'm gonna deliver it to the same location uh, to support my activity, well then you can build or have a terminal close to that location. You have that direct movement from smart sand, and we can deliver that amount of sand at the origination point, delivered by unit train to that location, be very close to the wells, and we can now go to the railroads and right. say, look, you now have the push from us that we have the volume to ship, but you also have the customer that wants those volumes, and, we'll, and if we can get them to commit to a three, four, five year program, we now can go to the railroads and really help drive down that cost. Yeah. And while I'm not gonna sit here and tell you we can get absolutely to it, but let's say it's 30, $40 a ton today, we might be able to drive that down to 10, 15, 20 bucks a ton difference. Right. And when you think about that and the better well economics, and you're thinking about developing your field over the next five or 10 years, and what is your long-term free cash flow goals, that's where the Northern White story can fit in with the producer thinking long-term how they want to develop the field. Right, and I guess if I were playing devil's advocate, I would say mm -hmm. there's a, or is there a parallel with like the carbo ceramic story, right? Because yeah. if you, back in the day when I used to cover stocks, and thank God I don't do it anymore, but back <laughs> in the day when I did, you know, there was a period where they were the darling, right? And you know, if, if the Haynesville was gonna take off, that was the play, you, want, you wanted to buy carbo. Yep. And then over time, people shift to resin in that area, and then they shifted to white, and then eventually they're using sand from Shreveport. And I guess, why is that not the right comparison with you? Yeah, look, I mean, look, we've heard some of that, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, I, I don't think the comparison is well-founded, either scientifically or economically, right? right? And so there's a, a few reasons for that, right? The, you know, the fracture stresses that we're dealing with in the Permian and elsewhere in North America Right, they're right in the sweet spot of Northern White. Right, mm -hmm. when you look at crush strength, conductivity, you know Northern White is a is a perfect product for the vast majority of wells in in North America. Right, ceramics were generally designed for much higher closure pressures and things like that. So, um, you know, so from a scientific standpoint, there's a good story for Northern White that that 
meets up well with the basins that we operate in. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting you use Northern White at, you know, in, a, in a frack in the Gulf of Mexico or yeah. any of that kind of stuff, right? Where you've got these clothes. But then there's, the, then there's the economic factor, right? So if you go back and look at CarboCeramics results, say, you know, and you're talking 10 years, so let's figure mm -hmm. 2013 right. into 2014, right? Generally, they were selling about 30 cents a pound, right? $600 a ton for a ton of, mm. uh, you know, for a ton of ceramics to put down a well, right? And, you know, I don't recall exactly what uh, Sam was selling for at that time, but let's figure Sam was selling between 40 and $60 a ton, right? Mm -hmm. So you're talking about $500 plus per ton difference wow. in what a ceramic ton cost right. versus a uh, northern white sure. ton of sand. And so if you extrapolate that over, you know, kind of the volumes that we're looking to do, right, you know, I don't think, I think there's a massive economic disadvantage to using ceramics when you don't need ceramics right you know and so but then you compare that to what we're talking about in the in the permian right and the switch to regional sand over there so at, you know i think most operators would tell you hey we save you know we save between three hundred fifty thousand and five hundred thousand dollars a well right so right. figure on ten thousand tons you know we're saving 35 to 50 bucks a ton by using that. Well, there, you know, there's a big difference between saving 350,000 or $500,000 or saving millions upon millions upon millions of dollars for an individual well. And so I think that the economic argument between ceramics and Northern White is not uh, the same as the economic argument. There's just not that much savings by going regional, right? right? When you consider the risk of going regional is that your well is going to produce 10% and then accelerating uh, you know, 10% less and then accelerating over time. And, mm -hmm. you know, five years into that program where you want, you thought five years ago, you're gonna drill 200 wells and now to maintain production, you have to drill 250 wells, right? right? Your, you know, your, your economic argument has, has fallen apart. And we think kind of that Rystad study combined with the white paper on that shows that in a pretty compelling yeah. format that, you know, it, it doesn't make a lot of economic sense. And, you know, from a scientific standpoint, there's a good difference um, that, can be elucidated between the long-term conductivity of northern white versus okay. regional. Now, you you alluded to in basin sort of taking off five years ago. I'd say it was more like six or seven. I'm trying. How old? Well, in the Permian, it really took off in 2018. Yeah. yeah. And, it, okay. and it really came. But on it started. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. started building up, um, but it really took off and really became prevalent in the second half of 2018. Yeah. Because what I'm trying to think of, Lee, is like if you. You know, if if I'm a young engineer that has started, a young completions engineer that came into the business in 2017, 18, all I might have ever known is mm -hmm. in basin sand. So how do you convince that younger? I'm, again, I'm I wanna, well, I guess, I'm, I'm prying into your sales strategy here, but how do you convince well, somebody to actually start looking at the data? Because well, uh, sorry, I ramble. No, I have, no. I guess <laughs> let me let me. Yeah. Let me I would think, do those young engineers, do they ever take the initiative or ask to go back and look what their well results back were in 2012, 13, or 14 versus yeah. where they are in 2018? Second question, I think John just brought up, you know, a good question for me. How many wells did you drill in 2018 to produce a certain amount of production on Northern White versus how many wells you're having to drill today okay. to make that same level of production? Yeah. Um, um, it, it, yeah, but you're right. That requires uh, someone, you know, looking at 
beyond just my current uh, well results and what is my cost and thinking right. about what is the long-term benefit we're trying to achieve. Well, and, and on that, John, I think there's been, I mean, there's been discussion about, right. you know, there's been kind of an explanation, like, hey, why are these walls performing the way we thought we were going to, right? Yeah. And again, I, I mentioned it before, you know, we've been offered different explanations, parent-child, right? Well-spacing, well spacing yeah, res, yeah. Oh, the, the rock's not as good anymore, right? right? But there's been a painful absence of some introspection versus the sand choice. And, yeah. and when this happened and when we started to see this divergence. And, you know, I think that, you know, as you look at that and, you know, it, it's funny. I, um, Exxon CEO had a comment, um, you know, in, in early June, uh, mm -hmm. you know, where he, you know, he, he talked about, um, uh, you know, keeping the fracks open for longer, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my sand mind, I translate that into he's looking at conductivity. He's saying, look, we've got... You know, this is not what, you know, your engineers, this is not what you promised me. That's right. hmm. And so we do need to take a, a, a look at this. And I think that, you know, if you're a CEO, not necessarily, I mean, everyone's focused on the next quarter, right? Sure. But if you're not, if you're thinking about the long term of your business and you're not really focused on three to six months from a production standpoint, you're thinking, you know, six to 10 years or even longer, right? You do start to care about this because if, if your production is going to decline 10% faster than you thought, year after year after year after year, mm -hmm. you get to a point where you're having to drill twice as many wells at some point because of uh, that lack of production from those wells that you drilled. As I dumb it yeah. down, yeah. right? As yeah. I dumb it down, please you, do. Yeah, the finance yeah. guys. Over you know, here. you have. Yeah, you would think what you've just said would say suggest that the big. The big people, the Exxons, the Chevrons, the Conicos, right? The, the largest of large that are out there who are there for the long term, right? Should be the ones that should take a hard look at your product, white sand versus in basin that maybe, you know, the quantum backed shop that's going to flip or the NGP one, right? Like who's just looking to, well, like, because here's where I'm going with this. Yeah. It's just an idea. It's a John Danielism and it's probably stupid, but like, why would you not go to, an operator today, like again, Chevron, I don't care. And say, look, dude, here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna go do it, you got a four wheel pad, we're gonna give you free white sand for two of the wells, and you go use whatever you were using for the other two, and let's track this thing for the next two years. Yeah. Well John, it's a good point. But I think I think that's what and and then again, it's the same I'm, point in time when you drill. To it. Have those discussions with yeah. anybody, right? You know, the but what it comes back to is I think that's what the Rystad study has done, okay. right? It's, okay. it's done it, uh, and it's done it over 850 wells. Yeah. And, it, and it's shown, right? And look, people will have different views of the data. They'll come back with the arguments. Well, no, it's interaction. It's down space. It's all. Right. But you can't just ignore that in 2018, this massive change took place, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as, you know as, we, as we continue to kind of look at this thing, Yes, I agree with you that, that the operators who are interested in long-term production, right, and long-term mm -hmm. performance do care about this stuff. And I think that we've got um, you know, good experience with operators in the country that do care about right. this and who are thinking about this stuff from a five-year or 10-year window, right? Not, not losing focus on you know, the well-to-well -well yeah. economics, but also thinking about it that, yeah, I'm bought into this. I, right. I agree that this is a... And, and then the other thing that jumped out with the study, which is, is I queried some EMP friends about this ahead of the, the, this meeting, you know, some of the feedback was, well, you know, you're really not going to see the benefit of the white, like no, no disputing the quality differences and mm -hmm. the strength, but they said, you're not going to really see the benefit for four years or, or longer. Yeah. 
and you, the study that you all have done and that Rysa did says uh, it's well, it's faster. Well, well and it gets Rysted, faster as yeah. commodity prices higher. Sure, right. right. Yeah. yeah, so Rystad and uh, the paper done by Mark Malone clearly show that those well results are, are much different in the first 12 to 24 months. Yeah. And that you get your cash flow back and get a return uh, much quicker, actually, from using Northern White based on their studies. Right. So I, I think we, based on what we're seeing and what we from this data, I would dispute that three or four, right. four year uh, assumption that that's where the real uh, benefit of Northern White comes in from what we've seen in these two reports. Uh, it's more like 12 to 24 months, if not okay. better. Now, now that the, I mean, the Rice Side paper's been out for a while, their study, but yours is more recent. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, I, hopefully, you guys have gone and called on some customers <laughs> since the paper's come out. I, I hope you I'm have. Yeah. Uh, you're fine. Yeah, you're the yeah, CFO. Yeah, yeah. So, but, John, hopefully, you've gone to see somebody. Tracking what, their performance. What, what do they, what's the feedback to you? So look, there's there's different feedback yeah, from different right. operators. Look, I will say that um, with the publishing of the Rystad study and the um, and the white paper follow on to that, we've had more press on Northern White Sand yeah. than you know. Whereas all the press that Sand's gotten in the last you know number of years has been all focused on regional um, mm -hmm. sand mine development. So we've gotten more press on uh, on Northern White Sand since then. And look, at, at the end of the day, these operators are all concerned about where we are right now, but you know, from a from a quarter to quarter standpoint. But look, the when we talk to our customers who are engaged with us on the long term, right? Mm -hmm. Setting up the proper logistics models, who are getting at the advantage of Northern White, but also focused on kind of the total economic picture of making sure that we're moving bulk commodities smartly, right? You know, the, does it make sense to be trucking bulk commodities, you know, mm -hmm. vast distances? I don't think so, right? I don't think there's another bulk commodity out there that you do that on. You know, my personal belief is that sand belongs on rail, mm -hmm. right? Bulk commodities belong on rail. And that if you want the railroad to participate and, and try to lower the total economic cost, the railroads have to participate in this. And they mm -hmm. have to, you know, you have to design a logistics system that works well with what the rail is looking for. So, yes, we're getting positive yeah. response from folks, but a lot of it we're getting is, well, so what, right? You know, like, hey, yeah, you've, you've proven to me, but, you know, I made this decision. There's some, you know, there's some inertia behind this decision that was made, and and you know you haven't you haven't convinced me. And look, in marketing, you're always concerned about somebody going, so what? And so right. our job is to continue to to beat this drum. Um, you know, I think Mark is scheduled to speak at SPE uh, on this study, and you know, I don't know that this is going to be a purchasing decision um, that brings back Northern White. Right. Uh, I think it will need to be kind of an engineering. Uh, you know, as, as they're looking for answers on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And again, the, the key on this for SmartSend is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in it because I, I don't think the justification was there initially to, to, you, know, to, in, you know, to have 80 million tons of uh, regional capacity come online. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm also realistic. It's happened, right. right? There's, you know, but I don't need 80 million tons to come back to Northern White. No. Right? Let's be clear. This is all interesting. And we definitely would love to be selling more sand into the Permian. But you don't do we much don't there. Yeah. We don't need it to be successful. We've replaced all the times we sell yeah. the Permian in other markets. We've established ourselves in the clear leaders of those markets. So we've built what we think is the best northern white franchise in the business. Yeah. And we've expanded. We're now expanding that into uh, what we think is going to be a strong, grow, growing northern white market in Canada. So, yeah, we want to be in the Permian. We yeah. love to be. We have the ability to sell sand into any base in the U.S. efficiently through our logistics. Well, let's, let's talk about the Marcellus, right? Yeah. It, you know, um, is you talk to your Marcellus customers, their longer-term outlook, I mean, they've been somewhat limited by takeaway capacity. 
what are they suggesting to you two, three, four, five years down the road? Because if that opens up, you're in the catbird seat. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, I think as uh, you think about kind of our Marcellus customer base, um, certainly there's some gearing up that's happening uh, in there, right? There, you know, you're absolutely correct. There's some takeaway capacity limitations there. I think some of that's been taken care of. I, I caught a news article. I didn't, I didn't dig into it last yeah. week about, um, you know, some relief, uh, right. you know, that's a uh, court case has been decided or something. But yeah, no, takeaway capacity is going to be important, um, you know, particularly for the development in southwestern PA. Um, but I think that the consensus out there is that that is going to be resolved, right? right. And that we do need to, um, you know, be ready to go and to increase production there and, and have the proper logistics models. And so, you know, from our standpoint, what we're doing is we're expanding our Waynesburg uh, transload, yeah. right? We're, you know, we're investing some additional money in there uh, to increase the capacity out of that site. We're, we're excited about that site. Right. It's right in the, you know, kind of the heart of that, um, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, Washington, Washington Township, yep. uh, Greene County area. And there's a lot of development going uh, on in that area and a lot of interest from a lot of different providers. So we are, uh, you know, our model is, you know, have big mines with big rail yards and deliver to big transloads with big rail capacity. And so. But in, in I'll, I'll, I'll say this and you probably might get mad at me, but it, when I was at the transload, it was, seemed clear to me that the anchor customer in that was EQT, which is a pretty good EMP company that has been growing through consolidation. What happens, like let's say they're, if they say on their conference call the Tug Hill acquisition will close this quarter, I think. I could be wrong. But when you look at the buyers of your product in the Marcellus, so you got a good anchor a customer there, who are the smaller guys using and what is then the demand opportunity for you to go pick up share because of consolidation where your bigger customers are taking out the smaller guys. Any thoughts on that? Well, look, I, th I think that, um, you know, not specifically to talk about EQT, but I think the guys who are involved, you know, the larger guys who are involved in, in long-term planning uh, of that, and whether or not they're, you know, they're going to continue to go on acquisitions, whether it's right. EQT or others, I, I think that the general uh, idea that you have to have a proper logistics model set up to be able to have economic well development, right? It's not like, you know, it's not like somebody's going to come in and go, oh, my new idea is to pump less sand on a shorter lateral here, right? Whether it's a large provider or a smaller guy looking to be acquired or to run themselves, mm -hmm. right? The cat's out of the bag on this. These are going to be, these are going to be more wells per pad, longer laterals, you know, much longer laterals uh, mm -hmm. in some cases, and they're going to want to pump them faster. And so, you, you know, that all starts with what does your logistics supply chain look like primarily on sand, Right. You know, the you know, water is another a whole other thing, but at least the water is local. Right? right. You know, to have a to have a proper logistics chain on sand and to get the sand that you want to pump down that well, because you know what the performance is, you've got to be thinking about that long in advance. And so mm -hmm. if smaller operators um, are paying attention, right, you know, we think that we've got a compelling model for them also. Right. right that can take advantage of some of the things that we've built uh, on the larger scale. Well, and as larger operators consolidate, that's an opportunity for us, too, because if they're thinking about sand more strategically, right. then they bring their applications well, would, and thoughts. I would think that. that's, that's kind of what, yeah, I, was, yeah. what right. I was thinking. So that's actually a real benefit to us. So right. as players like EQT go out and acquire a smaller player that maybe was just trying to be, as John says, more focused on purely on cost of sand versus an EQT saying, look, sand is part of our old strategic model and is very key to our long-term performance. Even though when they do that consolidation, maybe they go from five 
um, you know, uh, frack fleets to four or mm -hmm. three or whatever, but they're going to consolidate and use sand differently, which could be an advantage to us because it works with our market right. and, and our model. And so uh, I think we can do it both ways in terms of the smaller players, you know, seeing what the larger guys are doing and seeing that and looking at sand differently, but also from larger players that are more, for lack of a better term, maybe sophisticated about their sand approach you know, driving more business to us mm. because they see the value of being a partner with us okay. and getting that value through how we, not only the quality of our sand, but how we deliver the sand to the to the well side and ultimately through the well pad through our smart space systems. When you look at the competitive landscape, I, 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 I could be wrong on this, but my sense is your competitors are focusing more of their growth capex investment in the Permian. Mm. And you guys have been, open up the, the, the facility and, and the Washington PA, like, are others neglecting your core areas where you're capitalizing? Well, so I think I think there's a couple of things, right? Um, there has not been a lot of money spent on Northern White in the last yeah. number yeah. of years, right? There, you know, that's undoubtedly, in fact, a lot, you know, a lot <clears throat> of the capacity that was there is no longer there, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that market from a supply and demand is relatively in balance today. And, and I would agree with you, yeah, the, the money's being spent elsewhere right? right you know and uh you know to date you know the vast majority of that has gone to the permian right whether or not that continues i mean we've got um you know whether or not there's continued expansion in the permian there you know we're it looks like the epa is set to kind of skip over threatened and go right to endangered on the mm -hmm. dune sagebrush lizard down there whether that curtails um you know kind of any investment uh, down there, you know, as they look to expand, I don't, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think there's, I think it's probably a ways out. Yeah. But from a Northern White perspective, um, we haven't seen any new mines, you know, contemplated or being built, right? right. We haven't seen um, massive investments and, in, you know, I can't think of any investments um, recently on transload infrastructure out there. Um, we know that, uh, you know, in the Northeast, uh, you know, there is there were some transload constraints. We feel really good about mm -hmm. where we put our transload. We know in Canada that there's transloading constraints up there, and so we think that there's probably a need up there for, uh, you know, for a kind of a Van Hook or a Waynesburg right. size facility up there. And, and again, our Van Hook facility, you know, has, has been a, a really good uh, piece of our uh, logistics chain there. Right. I mean, we, we do trains out there that are you know, up to 175 cars in length, and no one's doing that in the frac sand space. Yeah, right? on the northern white side, I think what we've seen most of our competitors do is consolidate into their best assets. Yeah. So they're looking to maximize utilization of a few assets versus we've taken advantage uh, in the market to buy, you know, very strategically buy a couple of northern white assets that were idle that we think fit into the, mm -hmm. the long-term strategy. So we have that available capacity. So the extent that northern white takes off, if we could get in the Permian or continues to grow, we believe we're one of the few northern water pro providers that has that excess capacity to be able to react to that market very quickly. Okay. Um, and then to John's point on the terminals, uh, again, being that this is a bulk commodity business and, and the movement matters, our investments in Van Hook and in Waynesburg have, have been big drivers of our incremental growth uh, in those markets because we, we believe we have one of the, if not the best movement of sand in those markets and we've been able to dramatically grow our market shares in both those markets. Okay. To give you an example, in 2017, we only sold about 5% of our sand in the Bakken. Right. Today, depending on the month, it might be anywhere from 35 to 50% of our right. sand. So if I gave you 100 million bucks and you couldn't you had to spin out on the business and not something else. <laughs> Man. And, you're, yeah. and you've you got, didn't win the lottery. Why did you have to limit it to that? Yeah. You, you have two, and you've got two choices. One is to <laughs> consolidate 
<laughs> and maybe buy in basin sand in the regions in which you provide products. So like a, someone that's closer proximity to Bakken or Marcellus, that's option one. Or build more terminals and expand the, the tentacles of distribution. Valuation, forget valuation, but where yeah. do you, where's your heart tell you to go? You're well, going. so I, I think I just looked through our history on that and where we put transloads in, you yeah. know, we've been successful, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we wouldn't ignore, um, you know, potential consolidation obligation or opportunities out there. But, um, you know, again, you know, as we said, we're, we're long-term believers mm -hmm. in Northern White and, you know, logistics from my perspective is, you know, is the key to this business, is the key to making sure that the sand's there uh, you know, when these customers need it. And so, you know, in, investing in infrastructure, you know, I'm never not going to be interested in that. Yeah, because I think the first best use of those dollars would be investing in infrastructure to get more use of the capacity we already have. Right. So we already have, we, again, we spent very little capital, kept getting that incremental four and a half million tons from Utica and Blair, but now it's available to us. Right. So that incremental investment in terminals that can then draw more sand through mm -hmm. those. You know, our business does have high fixed operating leverage. So if we can get our utilization up to 60, 70 plus percent, we can really drive down our cost per ton. Okay. Because we can really spread that fixed cost over those, uh, uh, those higher tonnage. Right. And so getting better utilization of our existing asset by making incremental strategic investments. Uh, so with $100 million, depending on the type of terminals you could do, you're looking at doing, you could build anywhere from four to five terminals, okay. if not more. Uh, and so you could strategically uh, focus that on, on penetrating in those markets. And then while we'd be interested in, in, in regional sand, I think we'd probably look to spend some of that investment incrementally on the industrial sand business, right. just to help diversify the business. It, it, for the dumb person, what do you, I mean, sand is sand, right, to the average Joe? Mm -hmm. Sorry for me saying that, because we just mm -hmm. talked about a white paper contrasting the two sands. Well, Northern White is not just- But when it's industrial, world. like what, what, what do they need right. out of their sand? Yeah, so industrial, um, you know, and some of the gradations, like we're, you know, in, in fracking, you know, they want a 40-70, right. or, or a, you know, a, a 61-40, 100 mesh, right? Um, the gradations tend to be different, right? So, right. you know, you may have, you know, somebody may just want primarily a 40-50, right, or something like that. So, you know, you know, in industrial, you do see a bit of that. You see a focus on um, impurities, right? Like, you know, if there's, you know, if you're looking for a low iron mm. opportunity, right, with glass sand or something like that, you know, you're looking at, you know, what's the mineral constituency of the sand um, and does it have, you know, low, low contamination with what is undesirable in certain spaces okay. there, right? And then you have, you know, then you have other stuff where it doesn't really matter, right? If you, you know, look at sporting, uh, sporting opportunities and stuff, they don't really care what the spec right. is, you know, they're not looking for powder, but at the same time, um, you know, they're not as focused. So industrial runs the gamut and it runs the gamut from, you know, relatively inexpensive products to relatively mm -hmm. high price products. Um, but again, industrial, um, you know, we don't think is ever going to be, um, you know, the, the majority of our sales, right? Mm -hmm. You know, frack, you know, just the volumes we use in fracking are, you know, yeah. the, there's, you know, the only thing that's even comes close is probably glass and glass is a fraction of Right. of what we use in fracking. I mean, you, you think about some of these wells out there that are using you know, 20,000 tons yeah. of well now, and, and you know, that, that, those types of volumes don't exist in the, right. in the industrial, in the industrial space. space. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else I wanted to ask you. Um, all right, let's assume we assume the science is right. Yeah. Your white paper is perfect. There's not a single mistake in it, but it doesn't matter. How does that change your strategy? 
Yeah, well, you know, I mentioned I want to before, make sure you, you, before that's I... the so what question, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the, the operator says, yeah, just it, as you kind of alluded to but would, before. But would you ever, if you, if you know the science is right, like, would you ever go buy lower quality reserves somewhere else when you believe? Well, that comes and down to Does that make you follow me? It's like, right, so that comes down. We believe Northern White is better. Yeah. We have a good model, and we can win. Uh, as a company just doing Northern White. Yeah. Does it make sense uh, if ultimately there's not a shift to Northern White and there's a good opportunity to buy a regional sand business yeah. that makes good economic sense? Right. That's something we, we, we could definitely look at. Okay. And we're not against owning regional sand, but we're also about value and return for shareholders. So what's the best value we can get? And right now, we believe the best value is maximizing the value of our Northern White. Fair project. enough, fair enough. I just but on a relative value basis, if there's a regional sand opportunity that makes sense, just like industrial sand, it's no different than investing in industrial sand versus regional sand. Yeah. Diversifying. value for that and diversification. Uh, that's something we would be uh, definitely willing to look at. Okay. Just today, we believe we get better value of the assets we have by you know increasing the value of our Northern White franchise. Fair enough. My last question was to you now, Lee, which okay. is, we know where he's spending most of his time. Where are you spending most of your time these days? In terms of location? Or no, 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 no. In terms of, like, what do you... Well, we're very focused on making sure we have the right capital structure. Yeah. You know, uh, our credit facility comes due at the end of next year, but we're looking at, you know, putting in a new credit facility in place right. and make sure we have the right capacity uh, long-term to allow us to, to be able to support our business. Mm -hmm. We're also, like all, all other public companies today in the energy space, we're thinking about what's the best way to return value to our shareholders. Right. So, you know, this year uh, we expect to be a free cash flow positive. Uh, we've already bought back 11% of our shares when we right. bought out Clear Lake earlier this year. So if we can consistently demonstrate we're going to be a positive free cash flow business going into 2024, you know, we're thinking about what's the right way for us to return value to our shareholders, whether it be, uh, you know, in incremental investments in the business to grow the business, but also whether it be in additional stock buybacks or potentially a dividend, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. So that's a lot of time what we're spending on is what's our right capital structure mm -hmm. and what is the right model to return value to our shareholders that we need to position ourselves now to be ready to really start delivering that, uh, you know, more consistently in 2024. Fair enough. Okay. Well, guys, thank you all very yeah. much for yeah. making yeah, time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This is great. And if there's anything that you wanted to throw out there and that we missed, let us know. We're here. Yeah, we're here now. We got we got the equipment <laughs> set up. Well, we so. talk much about our smart path business. Yeah, yeah. Right? That, yeah. Why don't we? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we've seen that. I mean, it, when, last time I saw it was up in the Bakken. Yeah. Uh, have you moved beyond the Bakken? Yeah, we've yeah. we've got um we've got a number of units deployed uh, in the Bakken and and up in uh, the Marcellus now and uh, you know we're we're. Uh, opportunistic on where we deploy it right? right you know you've got to have a support staff to do it but um yeah it's it's working great i mean the you know we made some changes to it to support um these massive volumes that are now being required um by customers like you know looking to you know pump massive stages and quickly and so um we are really really excited we're we're now breaking records on the amount of sand that can be pumped per day um, we have a, one customer who is uh has said to us that for the first time that he can remember that sand has not been the bottleneck at the at the well site, and that and that's everything from right. the logistics we talked about to our ability to feed these blenders at rates that are um, unprecedented in the space. So we're really excited about that last mile business and how it um, is strategic with the rest of the things that we're doing in the business. Right, okay. is 
it, it makes no sense to have this great logistics chain to the transload, but then not have the ability to deliver to that sand one. into, the, into have, the blender. So, can you say what, what you, the the unit count is today, or you want to hold off on that? Well, I think we can tell you today we have we have um, ballpark probably 15 fleets of total, which six of them are just silo only fleets mm -hmm. that we were operating in the midcon and relatively consistent. And today we have three SmartPath fleets operating. Okay. And we have an additional six SmartPath fleets that are available that we are uh, applying this new technology. We've added this belt technology to really make them much more efficient. And we're adding, you know, six additional belts by the end of this year. So by the end of this year, we'll really have nine, uh, nine to 10 SmartPath fleets along with six uh, silo fleets. So, so okay. today we're operating probably about 50%. And when you do the silo fleets with the um, with the three smart paths, but we hope to be able to get our smart path fleet utilization up to six to seven or more in the first half of 2024. Okay. The other thing is everyone is talking about AI, AI, AI. <laughs> Any application for AI and what you guys are doing? I don't know. We're, we're uh, too you know, early. Maybe in uh, maybe in writing some marketing materials, but <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to mine sand with AI, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. No, but we are uh, taking advantage of technology. We're but, doing some new technology. For example, we think we can bring our, our natural gas costs down by maybe twenty percent okay. a year uh, by putting in some sensors and other technology to help us really mo monitor the, the temperature of the sand and the moisture of the sand going into to our dryer. So that's not necessarily AI. But we are looking at ways that we can use technology to run our plants more efficiently. Yeah. And we're also, this is an AI, we're also investing and in thinking about how do we mine more efficiently. Okay. So we're trying to move to uh, hydro hydraulic mining right. in some of the areas of our mines and also into more mobile mining and reducing, maybe spending more capital up front, but reducing the amount of yellow iron and drivers, et cetera, we need right. to, to lower, lower our operating costs. So those are not AI, but we're always looking to be more efficient through how we set up our minds yeah. and using technology to run them more efficiently. Okay. Very cool. Well, thank you again for making time yeah. on this Tuesday. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming out, guys. Thank Appreciate you. it.